We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, we had predicted on this show several times that the Ravens would use the exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson. We obviously know now that we were wrong, but it turns out that the Ravens were going to do that and change their mind last second. Yeah, and Sarah, that's according to what Steve Bashotti told Russell Street Report's Tony Lombardi. We'll dive into that decision and much more about the negotiating process between Lamar and the Ravens. You're not going to want to miss this. I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Friday, March 17th, and this is your morning Ravens update from inside the vault. So as free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. continues to draw interest from Baltimore and other teams for that matter, I'll walk you through how the cap-strapped Ravens could pull it off with the help of Brian McFarland's expertise. Plus, the Ravens signed two of their own players after letting them test the market first, and one was very needed, but underrated. Yeah, we have all that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news in about 15 minutes. So, Sarah, as you know well, it's not every day that we hear from Ravens owner Steve Bashotti. Matter of fact, it's almost been a year since he spoke to reporters last year from the annual NFL owners meetings down in Florida. Yeah, Bobby, it's a rare occasion that we get to hear his perspective and why we're not going to get it firsthand. Uh, my ears did perk up when Tony Lombardi from Russell Street Report said that he had spoken with Steve Bashotti very recently, and it was an enlightening conversation. That included a last-second decision to use the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. Tony explains that here. Recently, I had a conversation with Steve Bishotti, and one of the things we obviously talked about would, was Lamar Jackson. And at the time we spoke, which was a little over two weeks ago, Brian, it seemed to me that the Ravens were leaning towards using the exclusive tag on Lamar and not the non-exclusive. But some things happened during that two-week period since my conversation with Steve. And one of those things, I, I know he brought the Giants situation up specifically, worried about maybe the Giants making a play for Lamar. And if that were to happen, I think they had, what, the 24th or 25th pick in this year's draft. And the thought was that, well, with Lamar, they would get better. So the, the other pick in 2024 would be a pick that's even further down the totem pole 
and, and therefore the present value of that late first round pick might be an early second round pick this year. So those were the kinds of things he was going through in his mind. I'm sure he and and Eric and John and Ozzy were all talking about these kinds of things when they were down in Florida having their their meeting heading into the offseason. But they they moved from that exclusive position to a non-exclusive position. He said to me it was a calculated move because he felt or they felt that given the changes in the marketplace during that two-week stretch and the fact that the non-exclusive was, what, about $13 million less expensive than the exclusive tag, that they could field a better team with that added cap space. So, Yeah, I find it awfully interesting how much the Giants draft position played into Bashadi's concern, Sarah. I mean, that also kind of lets you know how much that factored into whether the Ravens would match a potential offer. And you know, the Giants sitting at number 25 is obviously a significant difference from, let's say, I don't know, a Houston all the way up at number two overall. And Bobby, we're now a couple days into free agency, and so far at least we'll see what happens. But it seems that this calculated risk by Bashadi and his front office, it seems to be paying off. I mean, things could always change, but just in our last episode on Thursday, we went through the entire quarterback market and the chances of a team making an offer really is dwindled down to just one team the Indianapolis Colts, and it turns out that since that episode, the Colts signed quarterback Gardner Minshew. Of course, he could just be a backup, so who knows if they'll truly be off the table. But anyway, back to Lombardi. He went on to say that there have been times when Eric DaCosta and Lamar would make progress in negotiating meetings, and then all of a sudden, the next time they spoke, everything changed. Hey, you know, I've been told that there have been times when Eric DaCosta has had meetings with Lamar and they've ended those meetings in a very upbeat way, upbeat manner, only to find the next day when they think they can move along and get a deal done that Lamar has the behavior of a player or a person who wasn't even aware of what they had talked about the day before. It's almost as if he took it back to the NFLPA. This is what they're offering. He seemed happy with it. They said, don't do it. And so they don't don't they don't get it done. Now, as you heard, Tony names the NFLPA as the suspected reason behind why Lamar allegedly changed his mind after certain meetings. And then Tony goes much further than that when placing blame on the players' association for hurting the negotiation process. If Lamar had an agent and he's looking at this deal, he's probably saying the exact same thing you said, Brian, which is after year three, if he performs like he believes he's going to perform, like the Ravens believe he's going to perform, the Ravens have the success as the team that they think they can have with Lamar, that they're recasting this deal anyway. An agent could school and guide him and say something like, you know what, Lamar, we get into this in year four, I'm going to be looking to the Ravens to try to get an extension done for you anyway. So yeah. those that's the kind of mentoring and guidance he's not getting because the NFLPA – I, I've been criticized for using this word, but I'm going to use it again. They're using Lamar as a pawn to get to what this Damari Smith wants to get for all his constituents, which is more and more guaranteed deals. And he's he's a pawn in this whole process, and he's losing out on a deal or he's skipping out on a deal right now that's a really attractive deal based upon marking conditions that do not include Deshaun Watson. 
Yeah, so Sarah, as Tony mentioned, he's taking some heat. I've seen some of this heat for calling Lamar a pawn in the players' union's bigger agenda. You in on this term? I mean, where are you at with it? Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, I personally don't like it. I think it has a connotation of weakness and stupidity. It's, I, I feel like it's condescending. Now, I don't know if that's how Tony intends it to be, but that's how it comes off to me. And weak and stupid are two terms I would never use to describe Lamar Jackson, not even close. I think Lamar is a man of principle. And anybody who has principles, to keep them, it takes tremendous strength. I also find Lamar to be very intelligent. Look, of course, the NFLPA has an agenda for sure. There's no denying that. But everyone has an agenda. Lamar has an agenda. The Ravens have an agenda. They all have one. And so when the Ravens and Lamar's agenda happens to align, they work together. If they don't, then, you know, they don't work together. And that's what this whole negotiation is about. And when Lamar and the NFLPA's agendas align, they'll work together. I just don't think you know Lamar if you don't think he'd walk away from any situation he doesn't want to be in. Now, that said, I also think it's fair for people like Russell Street Reports capologist Brian McFarland. There's nobody that knows the Ravens cap better than him. Now, he pointed out how Lamar may have potentially lost millions of dollars by choosing to align with the NFL PA in a fight for fully guaranteed money instead of negotiating in a more traditional way, kind of like Josh Allen did way back when he got his contract. Obviously, those two are 2018 draft mates. So Brian explains how millions could have been left on the table. Lamar has missed out on millions of dollars if he had signed back when Josh Allen signed. Now, we don't know what the offers were at that point, but if he signs there, and even if it's $43 million per year as opposed to you know, what he might get at 50, 51, 52, 53, whatever it might be, whenever he does get around to signing, you know, but he's lost three years of that money. Now, granted, he's, he, you know, so last year it was 23, but that's, you know, that's 20 million less on average. This year it's 32, so it's 10 million. But the year before, that third year, he made what, a million and a half? Um, you know, and that would have been, you know, that big signing bonus. So that's money. You know, he's still going to, at some point, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid handsomely, whether it's here or somewhere else. But those, those, these last three years, He's never going to get that money back. Um, and again, as we just said, if, if this was the third or fourth, you know, if he did sign back then, you know, and by next year or the year after, he's going to get redone anyway because Burrow's going to come in. You know, if he's at 43, Burrow's coming in at 55 or, you know, or, or Hurts at 52. And then all the quarterbacks will be like, okay, well, it's time to get my deal redone because, you know, and that's just the way the, the, you know, the process works. Yeah. So Brian's correct when he says many quarterbacks don't play to the end of their deal, right? I can especially remember the big one in Baltimore. Remember when it was announced that Joe Flacco got a record breaking $120 million deal over six years. And almost immediately, Joe Linta, his agent, came out and said it was really just a three-year deal. And guess what? It was. Joe got another new deal that Joe Linta negotiated with the Ravens after just three years. And as I was thinking it through, it really would be crazy if Josh Allen started a second negotiation for a big deal after, say, the 2024 season about three, four years into his deal, while Lamar could potentially be coming off his second franchise tag 
negotiating his first big deal. And still to come here on The Vault, the Ravens are once again connected to a free agent wide receiver, but Sarah, how would they even go about signing him if there just so happened to be mutual interest? Stay tuned. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Bobby, day two of NFL free agency came and went, and a certain available wide receiver continues to hear his name mentioned alongside the Ravens. Yeah, Sarah, veteran Odell Beckham Jr. remains available on the open market, and of course he's being mentioned alongside the Ravens. We all know Baltimore has to retool its wide receiver room, and as long as that stays the case, and as long as OBJ remains a free agent, we're going to keep seeing and hearing about some interest because that's how good agents do business for their clients. Right, and the Ravens aren't the only team linked to OBJ at the moment, obviously. I mean, add in Kansas City, Dallas, sound like Dallas was a really big one, uh, and there was a couple more as well, and that's according to the scores, Jordan Schultz. But, Bobby, for the purpose of this exercise, how would the cap-strapped Ravens even pull off of signing with OBJ, or, I mean, put in any big wide receiver, how would the Ravens be able to pull that off? Because they did say that they wanted to retool. Well, I'd say luckily for them, they have some lucrative player contracts who signed big extensions within the last couple of years, and that gives them considerable flexibility. Here's more from Brian McFarland on that. Yeah, so there's about eight players that they can restructure, starting with Stanley and Humphrey at the top, which can create $7.5 and, and $7.3 million all the way down to Morgan Moses and Patrick McCarry, who can create about $1.4 million each. If they do what we call simple restructures, which is just, again, spreading, giving them, reducing their salary down to the minimum, giving them a signing bonus for the difference, and spreading that out over the remaining years of the deal, so not using void years, they can create about $26 million. But they have to be cognizant, obviously, as you said, there's those future expenses, and they have to be cognizant of a team coming along and, you know, putting in an offer sheet for Lamar. You know, so obviously I, I do think they're going to do something at wide receiver in the free agent market, whether or whether it's a trade or as well. Um, I mean, they need to get a veteran guy in here. All right, Sarah. So now we know how the team can specifically go about creating cap space to accommodate a player like OBJ. But as Brian was wise to point out, and he's absolutely spot on, this front office is also going to have to spend some money on the wide receiver position one way or another 
to entice Lamar Jackson because it's nowhere near acceptable right now. Yeah, I completely agree with Brian there, but it's sort of a double-edged sword right now, don't you think? I mean, because on the flip side, well, let's just revisit what Josina Anderson told us last weekend. Definitely got to get things with resolved with Lamar. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's definitely, you know, a, a big yeah, aspect of it, you know, kind of just kind of a small, you're right, Sarah, there's a little small detail there. Um, and, you know, clearly I think that, uh, OBJ is very anxious to get back into, you know, the team fold. You know, one of the things that people forget when you are rehabbing is that, especially when you are free agent is that that's all on your dime. He's been spending yep. his own money, you know, with all he's at IMGs at Exos, you know, he's, you know, doing all this stuff. So it costs money. And that was, of course, it wasn't the only thing, but that was like, you know, one of the considerations for possibly trying to come back last year as, as he was having those talks with the Cowboys and Jerry Jones was trying to talk to him and be like, yo, you know, you could come into our facilities. We got the best, you know, training staff. You, you could, you know, it'll be on our dime. Woo -de -woo -de -woo, all this other stuff to answer your question with the, uh, with the Ravens definitely have to get the quarterback aspect, you know, resolved. I think that he's going to look at all of the offers that he gets and he is going to weigh everything out. Um, part of that, yes, is going to be what he is getting offered. So to answer that question, because, you know, someone just texted me and said, so is he really asking for 20 million a year or whatever? I, I haven't specifically asked him if it's if it's 20, but he did text me yesterday and was like, he does what what he's worth. So I'm sure that it's a it's a you know, significant number. Um, and I do think that part of what plays into that for Odell is not just, um, you know, he knows what he can do. All right, Sarah, so the Ravens let five restricted free agents walk initially on Wednesday to go out and test the market, and since then, two have come back to Baltimore. Catch us up to speed. Yeah, so as you mentioned, the Ravens opted not to tender formerly restricted free agents in safety Geno Stone and then long snapper Nick Moore. Now, a low tender for those two guys would have been $2.743 million just for the 2023 season alone. Uh, you know, that's that's a little bit much for, for those guys. And Eric Costa opted not to spend that money. Let the guys see if they could do better on the open market. And in less than 24 hours, voila, they both re-signed with the team. So we don't have all the details yet on Gino's deal, but we do know that it was just for one year, according to Jeff Zrebeck of The Athletic. And then meanwhile, Nick got a two-year deal reportedly worth $2.5 So they got Nick for two years uh, for less than what it would have cost on a one-year tender. So good business there by Eric DaCosta. Yeah, and it's good to get Geno back as well. I mean, the Ravens needed secondary depth after trading away Chuck Clark to the Jets within the last week or so. And now Stone can be that number three safety behind Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton. And we all remember when Williams went down with that wrist injury last season, it was Stone that stepped in at free safety with seven starts in his absence. He also played in all 17 games and ended up logging over 40% of the defensive snaps. So again, it's not like a blockbuster signing, but it is one that comes with value and, and depth. Yeah, and that's why it's kind of an underrated signing. And not only can he start in a pinch on defense, but he's also a special team staple. He's been a pleasant surprise since being selected in the seventh round of the 2020 draft.
And before we fly, some other quick news items, beginning with this regarding two wide receiver signings that went down Thursday for the Giants. New York brought in Paris Campbell from Indianapolis. It's a one-year deal that can be worth up to $6.7 million, $3 million of which, though, is fully guaranteed. And they also kept Darius Slayton around on a two-year $12 million deal with a maximum value of $16.5 million. Those figures according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. And Sarah, there will be no shortage of targets for Daniel Jones, especially with the blockbuster acquisition of tight end Darren Waller as well. In other news, though, Marlon Humphrey continues to be a next-level Twitter tease, having tweeted the following out on Thursday, quote, doing my workout this morning, and I just got a feeling these next few days will be huge for the Purple team. Let's freaking go, close quote. And Sarah, needless to say... Let's not hold our breath on that one. And finally, top NFL draft prospect Jalen Carter has pleaded no contest to misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing. The former Georgia star defensive lineman was sentenced to 12 months of probation. He was fined $1,000 and also issued 80 hours of community service. He'll also attend a state-approved defensive driving course. Thanks for listening to The Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. If you've been enjoying our content, please consider joining one of our membership platforms at patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. As you know, we've been betting on ourselves by creating content independently from any big broadcast station or corporation. With your membership support, you'll help us keep churning out daily Ravens content hopefully for years to come. And a special shout out to two of our returning patrons this month, Lauren Wonderlick and Ken Buckner. We appreciate you guys and thanks for believing in what we're building. We'd also love to hear from everyone, whether you're a patron or not, with comments, questions, or if you'd ever be interested in advertising. You can reach us by email via baltimoreravensvault.gmail.com. And that is all the time we've got today, but be on the lookout for our best of episode on Saturday morning. That features our top content from the week that was in Baltimore.